Spoiler alert! The Silver Screen Redemption includes few to no spoilers. Due to Houston and Brian's lack of cinematic knowledge, most of their movie information is either false or imagined. However, if they still leave you feeling paranoid about potential spoilers, please check the episode description for details. Right now, we are starting this podcast. Welcome, everybody, to the Silver Screen Redemption, our comedy podcast, where this week we actually get a little serious and do some very insightful (laughs) reviews about Sundance. Yes. Um, Inspired by our our adventure into, into, well, I won't spoil it, into our, our Bandersnatch episode. If you haven't seen it yet, I won't spoil it. But we, uh, we talked about Sundance a little bit, and now we're going to actually talk about the film festival Sundance. Brian, I actually don't like this intro, because I feel like we went way too direct into what we're doing this week. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Well, I'm a little like, tired. Let's take a step back um, rejuvenate ourselves. Yes. Um, we're here at Sundance. <laughs> In this nice, not so nice, very cold, it's very snowy booth here at yes. Sundance. Taking in the scenery, checking out the, the stars. We We've already met Robert Redford, the Sundance owner. Yep. He owns all of them. I, I was surprised. This is my first time going, going to Sundance. And uh, I was surprised. He, he actually, he greets everyone who comes. Everyone who comes gets to meet Robert Redford. And I had no idea about that. Um, here's the real fact. That's just an animatronic robot. He's, <laughs> Shoot. So. He felt so lifelike. Yeah. <laughs> He's on the brinking edge. He just sits in his cabin all year long, stowed away in Park City, Utah. Just hides himself and works on robots and then sends those out into the world. Interesting. It's kind of an ex machina situation. That's why I saw him so much. Okay, that makes sense. (laughs) That one time. (laughs) He was at every theater. Where you thought you were sitting next to him on both your left and right side of the theater. (laughs) That's crazy. That's why. You weren't just tripping on something. Okay. Although Uh, there's a lot of that going around up here. Brian, who's your favorite actor you've met at Sundance Uh, so far? You know, um, I thought it was Robert Redford, but uh, apparently not. It was Kumail Nanjiani. Or, the, or is the that actor. the greatest actor? Because you, <laughs> wow. you were fooled by That's his true. real lifelike presence. Yeah, okay. That's like reverse acting. That is the Robert Redford animatronic for the Oscar. Perfect. Take that, Vigo Mortensen. Yeah. Actually, I'd be fine with Vigo. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He deserves one. Uh, but that's for Oscar episodes, yes. which are coming later. Which is, which is not this one. Which we should probably start off by saying... We have been planning to get on a one-week schedule for like a month sort of deal due to our technical difficulties when we lost two or three episodes. That's going to be coming this month. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of ideas that we want to push through uh, and get them out before they're irrelevant. So yes. you can plan on this. You can plan on a fun episode that we've been thinking of for a while. Next week, and then we're going to get into our Razzies and our Oscar episodes. Exactly. So be excited, everyone. Yes. Like us. I think I think that might be the, our, our go-to thing. February might just be our every week month or something. Yeah. Um, it's a good month for movies. Yes. It's post-Sundance, Oscars, Razzie season. Yep. And Smash Bros. season. Or in this case, it's at Sundance season. Because here at we Sundance are. At Sundance season. Um. I've wanted to go to Sundance a lot. We're, we are both from Utah, so we've always, you know, heard the heard the buzz, and uh, it's. Gl- I'm glad we're finally uh, gonna partake in the, all these great movies. What, what's your favorite movie been so far? 
Um, well, <laughs> should we start off with a disclaimer, Brian? Yes. We're going to be spoiling all these Ab- great movies. Absolutely. For yeah. Um, now, if you are a snooty, if you are a snooty film school student, unplug for a second. Like, take your earbuds out. Yeah. If you're one of the chill people like us, we're actually not spoiling everything. But wink, wink. Okay. Now, hey, put your earbuds <laughs> Come back. in. Come back. Come back. <laughs> yeah. So we're gonna all be right. spoiling all the movies. So be prepared. <laughs> Every movie at Sundance. Every movie at Sundance. Actually, probably just six of them. We'll, well see how far. And we you get. think about it, like it's not spoiling in that case. It's like bringing it to the people. I I think this is our first movie criticism episode. Sure. Normally we create this time we critique. Yes. So Brian, I think by the end we'll 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 have we'll be overflowing with inspiration. To, we'll come up with something. We'll but, come up uh, with something. But uh yeah, I think I'm ready to just like dig in and just tear these movies apart or put them on a pedestal and and sing their praises. Tell the world what what exactly they can expect from these movies exactly. when they come out in yes. a few months. Um tell me how you felt about the movie Honey Boy. Honey now, Boy. I know you've seen it, but I'm going to give a quick synopsis based off of uh, Sundance Film Festival's official website. Yeah. Uh, just like a two-minute synopsis, and then we can break into the real nitty-gritty. Um, this is starring Shia LaBeouf as Shia LaBeouf's dad. Sort of. Sort of. A, a fictionalized version, but yes. Fictionalized version. A child TV star and his ex-rodeo clown father face their stormy past through time and cinema. Now... This also has Lucas Hedges. How did you feel about Lucas Hedges' performance? Which, which one is Lucas Hedges? The, he, the child? He's the child and the middle one. Oh, okay. All of I thought all he. Of them. Uh, I thought the Even Stevens stuff was great when he was on Even Stevens. Yeah. It was well done. Well, I was surprised by the fact that they just played an episode of Even Stevens in the middle. Yeah, like, like it was actually just the influenza musical episode, which... Not what you're expecting when you're in a in a Sundance Sundance film. Now, I watched it and I processed everything, but I'm not very familiar with the influenza episode of Even Steven. Oh, great episode! And I, I was kind of lost in it. Yeah, in, yeah. In my primitive mind. So, can you tell the listeners what happened from that episode? Yeah, I mean, so the whole thing is Ren has a dream. I actually. I explained this to someone like the other day. I don't remember why. So I was all ready to come to Sundance and see it. But anyway, Ren, the older sister of Shia LaBeouf's character, Lewis, uh, has the flu and she can't go to school, right? But then, this is a spoiler for that episode and for Honey Boy. Um, she has a dream that she does go to school and it's all a musical, okay? Uh, and it's great. And she does a report on the space program that she didn't prepare for. And then she sings a song about how we went to the moon in 1969. Have you heard that? Uh, I, mean, I, other I than, was there. I listened to I it. I mean, right? but other than... You hadn't heard that before? No, okay. No, that was a new experience. Um, anyway, it, the best moment of that is she sings a song and it's like the whole class gets in on it and they love it. And it's like, oh, cool. She like saved it and like pulled off this project because she's Ren Stevens. She's a great student. But then she gets an F and it's like, whoa, subverting expectations. And I thought that really... F- Fit in here, subverting expectations. I completely agree. Yeah. But the main reason we really came to this movie was the climactic honey boy scene. Yeah, exactly. Now, what disturbed you most about this 
dramatic quote unquote honey boy scene. Well, like, so at first I was like, oh, they're just referencing peanut butter boy. You know, peanut butter boy, the vine where the kid is covered in peanut butter. It's just like honey boy covered in honey. Right. When he was covered in honey. But like, then they subverted expectations again and they revealed that he was the child of Jerry Seinfeld's character from the B movie. That's, and that's why he's called Honey Boy. And, and that's a big spoiler. Yeah. Now, it was very disturbing because Shia LaBeouf learned that as they were filming the movie. Right. They brought yeah, Jerry Seinfeld on. It was at an Oprah win, uh, an Oprah episode going on in the background. They reunited father and son. <laughs> exactly. And then Shia LaBeouf punched Jerry Seinfeld. Exactly. And that's how the movie ends. It was very Monty Python and the Holy Grail esque. It's weird they didn't get Jerry Seinfeld to play Shia's father. You would think they would, but I think it would have called too much attention to the fact that Jerry is his actual biological right. father. Yeah. It was especially weird when people started chanting Jerry, Jerry, because it felt like a Jerry Springer episode. Now, I really like the twist at the beginning where it was kind of that like what is Grover saying in the Sesame Street thing where some people heard Shia when he oh, was yep. they were chanting Jerry, but then they make it a little clearer and you find on the end, nope, it's Jerry. It is Jerry, Jerry. Seinfeld is Shia LaBeouf's dad. <laughs> that is why Shia LaBeouf is so darn funny. Yeah. And I'm glad we're bringing this information to the people because Sundance wasn't going to tell you. You weren't going to hear it from big movies. You weren't going to hear it till Oscar seasons. Exactly. Next year. Exactly. As in this year, but later. Yes. <laughs> like a year from now. Uh, let's get the next movie. As much as I love Honey Boy, it compares nothing in comparison like Late Night. <laughs> late Night, yeah. That was in the Midnight category, right? Yeah, that was in the Midnight category. This is starring Mindy Calling as the screenwriter. Not as the actor, just the screenwriter. Starring her as the screenwriter, though. Um, legendary late night talk show host, world is turned upside down when she hires her only female staff writer. Originally intended to smooth over diversity concerns, her decision was unexpectedly hilarious, has unexpectedly hilarious consequences, as the two women, separated by culture and generation, are united by their love of a biting punchline. Now, I lied. It actually is starring Mindy Kaling yes. and Emma Thompson. She plays a writer. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Emma Thompson was the... I was trying to remember I her name. I knew that. I don't know why I forgot yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and John Lithgow plays Lord Farquaad <laughs> in this. Very surprising. Yeah. Place. It's not the animated version. It's the live action. Yeah. They didn't go full Gary Oldman and Tiptoes, but he's like... He's definitely a shorter character. Yes, yes. I'm surprised that most of Emma Thompson's lines were just "ugh, millennials." Am I right? Well, it felt like weak writing, but at the end, by the end, it worked. Well, the whole theme of this was subverting our expectations. We all hate millennials. Even I, as a millennial, hate millennials. Exactly. But then, in the end, we learned that Minnie Kaling, who is the sheer epitome of millennials, yes, is worth a millennial of dollars. Whoa! So Spiritually, a, so a thousand dollars. Yes. So not very much. Um, debatable, but <laughs> I think Mindy Cowling had probably her worst performance of all time in this movie. Yeah. And that's saying a lot for me as someone who does not like Mindy Cowling. Yeah. I'm also um, a fan. I was not a big fan when she just turned to the public and was like, hey, women, 
Um, well, it was it weird was, when she got up in the theater, too, and did it in sync with the movie. Yeah. Like, that was inappropriate, I felt. I thought it was a 3D projection, because they did give us 3D glasses yeah. for this one. It was kind of a strange choice, but it was for that situation, so yeah. we weren't caught off guard by Mindy Kaling being there. And then she punched me <laughs> as someone who supports women. Right. Because I supported them. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> Um, so that was late night. We watched it early morning. Yes, in the midnight category. Um, tell me your thoughts on the report, the sequel to The Post, starring Adam Driver. The story of Daniel Jones, lead investigator for the U.S. Senate's sweeping study into the CIA's detention and interrogation program, which was found to be brutal, immoral, and ineffective. With the truth at stake, Jones battled tirelessly to make public what many in power sought to keep hidden. I was, uh, I didn't understand why he had a sword. That was the weirdest part for me. I thought he was like a lawyer kind of like, it felt like a Robert Mueller kind of thing. Like he was representing that sort of like, Oh, it's an investigation within the government. Right. Yeah. But he had a sword. Well, I don't know if you caught this, but at the very beginning for 10 minutes, they just showed on a, Without like any distractions, they just had the line, the pen is mightier than the sword. Okay. So now he was using a sword as a pen the whole time. If, if okay. you were wondering why he was struggling to write, to slash that piece of paper with the sword. Okay. It's because he's trying to be delicate. Well, and I was getting popcorn for the first 10 minutes. Yes. Because the line was crazy. Yeah. Because of all the Robert Redfords. Yes. Which now makes sense to me. They also had their malfunction at that time. Yeah, okay. Which is why they got up and started dancing. So no one really paid attention to that line. Yeah. But the whole symbolism of the movie, in case you didn't catch it in those first 10 minutes. Yeah, he was just like stabbing that paper. He he really was. And that's why everyone thought he was a mass torturing machine. Yeah. And Tom Hanks had to come in and solve the day. I know. And like, he was dressed like a cop too, which like a, like a small town cop is what I, what, like the, the vibe I got from, from this outfit. And like, that didn't fit at all. Like, I was like, why isn't he wearing like a suit? Right. Yeah. But like, if you look, if you Google this picture, like you'll find it. The Sundance doesn't want you to see it because they don't want you to know. But it is, and we'll put it on our website. We'll reveal the truth because I also took a picture. I think this should be our movie poster. Case <laughs> okay, perfect. Whatever. Uh, I think that should be our movie poster, despite whatever movie we end up sure. diving into more. I don't know if we'll make a movie, but we'll see. Yeah. That should be our movie poster. Okay, cool. We well, we have to make a poster for the episode, even if it's not a poster for a movie that we exactly. Make. So it'll be a picture of Adam Driver it got, dressed as a cop holding it, a sword. It got really scary when Adam started having a machete fight with Tom Hanks because yes. when you think about it, it was with pens, which is almost as scary. Yeah. How you do could you poke, feel about those? I mean, things? you could poke an eye out. Well, I was I was scared of the swords because I get like I said, I didn't realize there were pens, but. Uh, it was a good, like, it was well choreographed. It was impressive. Um, I just don't, I don't know if the setting was appropriate. How did you feel about the setting of that fight? 
I mean, it was in a honey factory, which made it a little messy. Yeah, okay. It wasn't the best spot for that. You could have done better. I think that was their way to compensate for Tom Hanks' old age. Yeah. We don't have to do really refined choreography if he's just being slowed down by the honey. That makes sense. Just covered in honey. Well, and I I thought they like announced themes for the festival, but they didn't announce the theme of every movie will have someone, someone covered in honey. Yes. Because there's Honey Boy... What was the other honey movie? Well, they filmed all these movies at the same time. I don't know. That's the real secret of yeah. Sundance. They just go to a secret back lot in Hollywood and film them all at the same time. That's why they're allowed to be in this festival. Maybe if we do make a movie, what if it's a what if we make a sequel to Jackson actually? Because really, Sundance stole that idea from us. They, they really did. They really put a Jackson actually actually twist on this year's festival. Or did we steal from Sundance? But we can sue them for stealing from us because they kept it hidden until Perfect. we did it. Good plan. Okay, so we're just going to film the sequel to all these at the same time. Yeah. Jackson 2, Jackson Furious. Sure. And he's back and he's filming all the movies and voicing them over. And he's sick of these mother effing dugongs on this mother effing movie. Why dugongs? Because that was the tagline of the movie. Okay. And I don't remember why. Cool. Sure. That was a fun nostalgic trip to one of our earlier I episodes. literally don't remember the Jackson Actually episode, other than it was filmed simultaneously, just like all the movies at Sundance this year. Um, I think we need to go to the next movie called Sweetheart. This was the very softest and most harm-warding. It was harm-warning. Harm-warning. It, it warded us from harm, so yes, it was harm-warning. Heart-warming it was har- No, it was harm-warning for our harm-warning. hearts. Harm-warning. Uh, Jen was washed ashore on a small tropical island, and it doesn't take her long to realize she's completely alone. She must spend her days not only surviving the elements, but must also fend off the malevolent force that comes out each night. This is starring Kiersey Clemens, and even though I watched it, I still don't know who she is. They had her face blurred out the whole time, because yeah. she didn't want to be involved with this project. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that the star... I mean, she played Jen. Do you not put yeah. that together? She was playing Jen. Oh, I got that the name was Jen. Oh, okay. But yeah, she like... It's weird that they didn't con- get consent from the main character. Yeah. Like, to have her be in the movie. I, I, don't, I don't know if she's an actress. I don't... I, like, I literally, I couldn't tell. Well, from what I understood, she thought she was on Survivor. And that's... That, I mean, that would explain it. And she thought she was flying over to the set of Survivor when the plane crashed and she was the only survivor. Little did she know it was real life survivor. So she thought, okay, hold on. So she thought it was a reality show, but then it was reality made into a show, which is different. And it was made into a movie. And when she tried to explain all this convoluted nonsense to some police authority who could help her out, they just said, Oh, sweetheart, settle down. And that's where the title of the movie came from. Yeah. Speaking of sweet, hold on. <laughs> I assumed I assumed the title of the movie was based on Neko going out of business. Did you hear about this? Oh, the sweet hearts. Yeah, that are gone. Yeah, they're gone and they don't exist. And I thought that the movie was referencing that because she kept eating them. She did, and I think it worked as a double layer metaphor. Yeah, that works. That's uh, that's that's actually very very intriguing, and I didn't make the connection. She also had like an airplane pillow that said "sweetheart" on it. Wow. It, it was kind of all over it the really place. makes you think. Yeah. If the if the non-film elite like us... It, sorry. 
if the people who are not film elite like us are ever able to see this movie, they really should pay attention to that. Yes. Um, it was funny enough because at very integral and important moments in the movie, she made each letter of the word sweetheart with her body. And it was very strange why she was having a dramatic moment and yeah. making an S shape. Yeah. But it all fits. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt, I, I kind of noticed the S, but it didn't feel out of place. What really felt, felt out of place to me was the H. Like, yeah, that was not natural. It was not natural. And that was when they started doing the surgery on her heart and find out that it was completely pumped by sugar. Wow. That surprisingly didn't go anywhere with the metaphor. It just stopped there. Yeah. And it's, it's especially weird. The movie didn't have a plot. It was literally just how many times can we cram the word sweetheart into this movie? Oh, and if you rearranged all the letters in the all the words in the credits, they also all spelt sweetheart. Exactly one time. Which exactly is crazy. one time. Um, let's move on to the next movie. Okay. <laughs> and this is the live action version of Avatar the Last End Bender, better known as The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. Okay. Now a I more, was a more artsy take on it. Yes. Now I was very excited for this one. It goes against all the odds. A 13-year-old boy in Malawi, in Malawi, 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 invents an unconventional way to save his family and village from famine. Based on the true story of William Kampwamba. Now, I don't know why they lied. Sorry, say that again? I don't know why they had to lie on the description of the movie that it was based on a true story and not based on the hit Nickelodeon anime, the last airbender. Now I don't know about you. Sundance obviously doesn't have the tact for this, but I would not like to discuss the, this true life event that could have been traumatic with our listeners, because I think that's very inappropriate. Yes. So how rude of you Sundance. Yeah. Exactly. How dare you destroy this child's real life experiences and make it a fantasy about airbenders and the yeah, exactly. siege of the fire nation against the world. How shameful we're moving on next. Next one's called velvet buzzsaw. This one was also based off a true story, but I'm a little more willing to talk about it. It's not as traumatizing. A thriller set in the contemporary art world scene of Los Angeles, where big money artists and mega collectors pay a high price when art collides with commerce. This is starring Jake Gyllenhaal as the Velvet Buzzsaw. Yeah. I I mean, weird having him be the one animated character that was literally a Velvet Buzzsaw. Like, I was like, he's like an art collector or whatever. Why is he actually a velvet buzzsaw? It makes no sense. Well, because the whole movie was a piece of art. That makes sense. It just panned over different items on the tapestry. Right. That was the movie. I, but the way I would have done it, I would have interpreted velvet buzzsaw to be, to mean a buzzsaw meant for cutting velvet. But he was a buzzsaw made out of velvet. And that's where yes. I draw the line. Well, he wasn't very effective. He wasn't. And neither was his performance. This was already a Razzies nomination. Like, Do we have Razzies for Sundance? They already they knocked should. out... They already knocked out whoever was the star of the newest Fifty Shades. And they put in 
uh, this good old man, Jake Gyllenhaal. Now, I think that's humbling because I think it'll mean he'll bring more to his efforts as Mysterio and Spider-Man. Yes, yes. Uh, that will be good for him. But Buzz Also, saw... now that everyone knows his height. Hold on. Do you know about his... <laughs> no, I don't know okay. about his height. There's a... <laughs> There's this dumb podcast called The Mystery Show, and they uh, one of the mysteries they cover is how tall is Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's made even weirder by the fact that there aren't that many episodes before it got canceled. Okay. And so, literally, I think there's like eight episodes, like literally an eighth of this entire podcast. Is about Jake Gyllenhaal. Is about, is about like how people fight over how tall he is, and anyway, he's, he's 5'11". Well, we discovered through the movie that there's actually twin Gyllenhaals. There's Jake and Jake, and exactly. they are six foot and five eight. So, yeah, take that as you will. It's very strange. you might be arguing for the wrong Jake. Yeah, that Anyways, makes sense. Let's move on to the headliner of this Sundance Film Festival. This is the one. I wasn't actually that- excited for this one going into it. But that all changed. That all changed when you realized that it was actually a sequel to your favorite musical production on Broadway of all time, which is extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile. Yeah, I know. Starring Zac Efron. Like, it seems like they would have been more upfront about that in the advertising. That It was a twist. Because yeah. this is the story of how The Wizard of Oz became The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Zac Efron, good choice. Really good choice. Man, can he belt it. Those high school yeah. musical years really benefited him in this movie. Um, what was your favorite part about Wizard Man Efron? I liked his relationship with the flying monkey. Now hear me out. Some would say it was disturbing. But James Franco did Some the same thing. Some would say it's shockingly evil. Shockingly. Yeah, exactly. But I think there was a friendship to it. How do you feel about that? Um, well... I think Sundance really is listening to our podcast because we oh, we just talked about how Haley Joel Osment is on nothing anymore these yeah. days. And then literally they just cast him. And his first appearance in public ever since The Sixth Sense. Yep. And so... As the person who made our poster for the last one, he definitely has been out more. And anyway, there were lots of pictures of him as an adult. Anyways, to go along with what you said, I don't think the flying monkey role was the best choice for Haley Joel Osment. No. Especially since all they did was add fur to him and just yeah. gave him, like, baby angel wings. Right. It was not a very good production design. Well, when you think about Oz, uh, what was that movie? Oz the Great and Powerful with James yeah. Franco? The flying monkeys are, like, little monkey-sized monkeys. And mm. it was weird having one be like, oh, look, it's a big, full-grown man. He was kind of the Donkey Kong of the monkeys, a little bit. And my my fan theory, and I will say fan theory, because I, I, I came away a fan. Uh, I think he is the same monkey as the, the flying monkey in, in Oz Great and Powerful. Now, this one included five after credit scenes the only time we've ever seen that is in guardians of the galaxy 2 yes uh, what was your favorite after credit scene i thought it was weird that the third one was just the first one from guardians of the galaxy 2 like what's up with that yeah i i, I think they got the tracks mixed up a little bit now what was your second favorite one because that was just a, a cheap that, way out yeah probably not real um i'd have to say the potions class potions class you know where we learned that bed tundi the who would become the great and powerful oz was actually a failing student at hogwarts yeah exactly bed tundi was his name which also a weird choice 
Especially because there's a lot of heat around Ted Bundy right now. Yeah, I. He's kind of dead. He's in the past. Let's move on. Yeah. Bed Tundy is the new hot topic yeah. because Fantastic Beasts was the most wonderful movie I've ever seen. And now we know that it, <laughs> they're going everywhere in the Harry Potter universe. Yep. He's making green potions and singing and Severus Snape was back. And yeah. It, it lost footage from Alan Rickman. Really weird. And like... Some of it was from Galaxy Quest, I'm pretty sure. Because he had sort of those head ridges. He did have the wig over the head ridge, but right. it was there. But I think it was CGI. It was sort of Henry Cavill on there. Uh, speaking of Henry Cavill, I did like that upgrade as him as Dumbledore. It's a good cast, yeah. And I think a buff Dumbledore is the way of the future. I think we should make all of our male actors yeah. really buff and stalwart and strong. I just, I don't... It was weird that they didn't just use Jude Law, right? If they wanted it to tie in. I think there was a lot of hate against Jude Law from this last movie because of sketchy domestic violence tweets he was sending out. Um, that doesn't so make sense. It, it makes complete sense we need to boot him out of the franchise. They almost went with Adrian Brody, but they decided instead to go with Henry Cavill, yeah, yeah. which I know you are a big fan of. Of course. I like the way his shirt pocket appears in that one scene of that one movie that I don't remember. Ocean's 8, maybe? Probably. Anyway. Um, Henry Cavill. What's your favorite Henry Cavill? <laughs> My favorite Henry Cavill is the formal Henry Cavill. Yeah. He's way better than the, the Superman Henry Cavill. I Now, that's funny, because I like Henry Cavill when he has that deadpan look in his eyes and he lifts up the toy Superman and makes no comment and drops it. Yeah. I like Henry Cavill on a horse in the Henry Cavalry. Well, how can we beat that? Let's move on, Brian. I think we need to determine which of these movies gets our stamp of approval for best... Best picture. Best Sundance. The, it did the best Sundance in the movie. Um, do you need to me to remind you which movies we watched yeah you, you do uh we watched honey boy we watched extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile we watched late night we watched the report we watched sweetheart and we watched the boy who harnessed the wind and velvet buzzsaw how could i forget velvet velvet buzzsaw that's my pick for best sundance <laughs> velvet buzzsaw the winner the winner it was the most artistic and the most sundance and the most art related uh, Velvet Vunsaw 2. Where would we go with that? Starring Jake Gyllenhaal. Velvet Tusaw. Because it sounded like you said Vun. It, it's the Vunsaw. Vun Maybe Jake Gyllenhaal is German in this one, unexplicably. Um, I don't think that's my pick for best movie. Okay. But I do think it has the most potential for a sequel. Okay. Because at the end, he was wishing to become a real boy. It was like a Pinocchio thing. And I think we can explore that. Can I make a suggestion? You can do whatever you want. I don't think Sundance lends itself well to sequels. I think we make our own movie going into Sundance 2020. All right. Right here. Let's create our own original artistic movie. We'll be ready this time. But I do have a very necessary studio demand. Okay. Which is Adam Driver with... A machete. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm, I can be on board with that for sure. Okay. Should we get a Should we get a real studio demand from let's, our execs as let's well? Let's do that. 
Let's spin the wheel then. We haven't spun the wheel in a while. No, it's getting a little dusty. We'll to... Let me blow it off here. Alright, our studio demand is uh, there has to be a precocious child sidekick. That's from our executive Chris Lane. Now, who screams precocious? Precocious. Um, precocious also makes me th- also or always makes me think of uh, the Baudelaire's. The They're like the definition of precocious to me. We did just use them recently. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying I was about to say that. Like, let's I'll, not use I'll them. I want to machete them off. Sure. But who can be our sidekick to Machete Man Driver? Who's it gonna? Is it gonna be? Is it gonna be his little brother, or is it gonna be? Who's it gonna his be? His little dagger for sure. He's gonna play the dagger. Is it gonna be the precocious sidekick? He's not gonna be an actual dagger, but that's his name because this okay. is Machete Man Driver and Little Dagger Danger Man. Didn't we already have a movie with characters with these names? And uh, nope, definitely not. Who is your cool. little dagger? Uh, little Dagger played by Finn Wolfhard. Finn Wolfhard. He kind of looks like a young Adam Driver, too. That's what I was kind of thinking. That's kind of what I was going for. Which I think we can do fun things with that. Yeah. I think this is his childhood and him living at the same time and him experiencing life through his serious, self-hearted, very stone-brained, angry Adam Driver mind, yeah. and then through his child mind, which is Finn Wolfhard, and we don't know that they're the same person until the end. Yeah, okay. Because he appears... So the, the audience sees Finn Wolfhard holding the knife, but it's actually Adam Driver using his mental powers to control the dagger. I have another proposition. What if... This kid had some real growth issues. What if, as a kid, he was a very serious, very, just like, troubled youth. He wanted to be taken more serious. But precocious. Wanted, but, but precocious. precocious yeah. He is very precocious. But, like, to the point where he was sick of other little kids. Yeah. Um, this is going to get a little dark. But I think he does do, like, not full-on killings, but he does try to stab some kids. Hence, he got the nickname, The Little Dagger. The Little Dagger, yeah. But what if... All these scenes are filmed with Adam Driver in his place. So he is in like a third grade classroom. And it's Adam Driver with all these kids. Representing how mature he sees himself. That's a very Sundance move. But then he gets sent to an asylum. To Well, maybe not an asylum. But like he gets treatment. He tries to... Yeah, yeah, He's in therapy. He's in therapy. And he has like a reverse effect where he goes way too childish growing up. And so we see Finn Wolfhard in business meetings, um, or probably not a businessman at this point, but doing real adult jobs. Okay, he's uh, what's what's a job that you would expect only an adult to do, but that garbage a murderer man. could do? You did it. I did it. You you found the the job. I'm sorry about garbage men everywhere, but you can take your place next to Jaws Perfectly as nor- things that aren't really that dangerous, but now we assume are deadly. Yes. Perfectly normal people are also garbage people. Yes. But in this case, it's a murderer played by Adam Driver. Really played by Finn Wolfhard. But played by Finn Wolfhard. Well, and I think... I think this could be one of our classic... We we have two things going at once, and then at the end you realize, oh, it's the same story, it's the same thing. So I think we, I think we see clips of Finn Wolfhard, and it looks like he's just playing... He's pretending to be a garbage man. Yes. Right? 
He's riding on the back of the truck. Maybe he, oh, look, he's friends with the other garbage man. And so they let him ride along. And you, you start to think, oh, maybe these are flashbacks, right? Mm-hmm. But then you eventually find out, no, the camera is just flashing back and forth based on his mood, yes. right? Sometimes he feels like a kid and he wants to murder people. And, and sometimes, sometimes he's an adult and he wants to just play and just have fun. Okay, so we flip that. So we don't actually show his childhood. We just show... Yeah, the, I don't think so. We just show the like crazy childish subconscious within him and yeah. how he has to wrestle to keep it down. Perfect. I think we call this the strangest thing. The str- um, isn't that a U2 song? Probably. That's the sweetest thing. I was wrong. It is the sweetest thing. Um... The strangest thing. Is it also related to Stranger Things, though? No, it's not. It's just... That's it's just to get people in the door. You can't be a sequel. Yeah, that's to get people in the door, though. Yes. Okay. It's the strangest thing, starring Adam Wolfhart... Uh, and, 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 and Finn that, Driver. And Finn Driver. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Do we need anything else? Um... I'm fine with calling it good there. Most of these Sundance movies don't have plot anyways, so... Yeah, I'm fine with that. As we learned by going to Sundance yes. and watching these movies. Um, is there anything that's, like, really tickling your fancy here? Is like, I must see that in this movie. Um, I think we I think we do. I don't know if there's much discussion here, but I think we just... It's ruled that it is... All the scenes are filmed simultaneously. Okay. So we have two garbage trucks driving side by side, and we film Finn Wolfhard on one and Adam Driver on the other. Do we need Samuel Jackson back as director then? Uh, sure, yeah. Okay. I it's, think that's his new, very ambitious yeah. project. So story-wise, it's not connected to Jackson, actually. But it's definitely directed by him. It's his directorial follow-up, much like <laughs> us to Jordan Peele, which is coming out soon. I'm very excited for it. Yes. Um, very cool very legal um let's call it there then (laughs) thanks for joining us on sundance cast sundance cast uh where can the people find us besides at sundance what well we'll not be at sundance much longer so you can find us on facebook or instagram at the silver screen redemption on twitter at screen redeem or just go to our website silverscreenpod.com and you can check out all of our posters including this one that has adam driver wearing a police uniform and a a machete with finn wolfhart next to and finn wolfhart little dagger yeah exactly uh you can check out all that stuff check out old episodes check out our merch page uh where you can see all the products that we've discussed on our on our movies the whole two of them yeah uh i think just one of them actually is on there and uh (laughs) (laughs) And we'll catch you next time. All right. I'm Brian Perry. I'm Houston Bobley. Whether or not they need redemption, we'll be there. Any similarities to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental.